0: Hello and welcome to the Morbid Museum. We are your hosts, Katie Mead
1: and Luke Boyd. Hello, more buddies out there.
0: Hi, everybody. How's it going? Luke, how are you? Good,
1: good, good. That's good. Good to hear. Um, Yeah, we're good. Everybody's good. <laughs> we love talking to you. This is a one way dialogue. We're used to in museums, you know, doing talks and lectures where it's a one way dialogue. You know, we want to. We want to get people in the audience to talk to us and they just. I always feel
0: like I'm like Dora the Explorer, where I'm like, hi, nothing.
1: Yeah, where are you from? (laughs) I really care. Yeah, I want to (laughs) know.
0: I don't. Anyway, here we
1: are, Luke. Yes, we're in March. Our second show in March. We're back. Um I spent what are we a few, doing? I, I spent some time in the American South and uh the Confederacy, which I think could make some interesting <laughs> content in the summer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have some thoughts. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a lot
1: of fun. So anyway, we're back now, back into it. Um and to commemorate Women's History Month, we have another entry that is also based in the outsized role and often under celebrated role that women have played in the medical field. So it tacks onto what you were saying last week in your discussion of world war one and Mm. uh, the amazing work women did in um, nursing centers, uh, you know, battlefront um, hospitals, but also, you know, in the reentry into society and helping with those who've been disfigured. It's just incredible visual work um, of that. And if yeah. anybody hasn't followed us on Instagram yet, at the Morbid Museum, please check out some of the photos of the before and after of the prostheses that were made during the time it's period. It's incredible. They're very compelling. Oh, yeah. it's just like, such a language of those pictures. <laughs> Blue bench, Luke man. posted I, that I was,
0: blue bench and I thought I was going to die.
1: <laughs> I was blown away by that. I was blown away by Ooh. the blue bench. I was like, this is so powerful and what an amazing commemorative concept. Truly. Yeah. So this week we are going to be discussing contagious disease that goes back thousands of years um, yes! in human civilization. <laughs> Who is this? Is this Katie's week? No, this is me. This is me, boo. We're not talking about cholera. This is
0: basically <laughs> like you romancing me right now.
1: I am. I'm trying to win her back. I'm like, so, you know, I'll do an episode, but I mean, you know, I mean, like, I'll, you know, I'll do some medical shit if you really want. I need would like, uh, that. So, anyway. (laughs) <laughs> we are going to be discussing tuberculosis, which is right. one of the big, <laughs> the big baddie killers of the last 9,000 years. Um, uh, and we're going to be discussing particularly tuberculosis sort of late history. Tuberculosis is still around today, but we take it for granted the cure for tuberculosis indeed. that was developed slowly over the last couple hundred years um, and kind of crossed the finish line in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And there were a group of intrepid, incredible, dedicated human beings who worked in a now under hospital on Staten Island, and they were known as the Black Angels. Such and a were,
0: cool name.
1: <laughs> they were women of color who were kind of like the angels of the battlefield, swept okay. into Seaview Hospital um, for patients who were suffering from tuberculosis, came to their aid, and sort of witnessed and inaugurated an era of curing people. So they're a really powerful group, and they are really hot right now in Staten Island history. <laughs> <laughs> so we so, want to celebrate right them. Yeah. So, you know, tuberculosis, we have to talk a little bit about tuberculosis and its origins. Because like I said, with the cure, we don't really engage with it. We don't really know it. But it was the worst thing that could happen to you. Really. I mean, for a long time. Oh, my God. The worst. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, tuberculosis or TB, as it is often known, is a contagious chronic respiratory condition. It affects your lungs. It can also spread to other organs. So it is a bacterial infection that you sort of catch. It's very contagious. You inhale the bacteria at some point. It can lay dormant for a long ass time, just like all those scary diseases. You don't know if you have it. And then all of a sudden you get a, a deep cough and the disease begins to really sort of wreak havoc in your system. Katie and I know from long day's journey into night, and the knit and everything else written before everything, 1940. Every
0: pop culture yeah. reference of all time, Moulin L- Rouge, it's Tombstone. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay,
1: so getting, so people, when they, when they had tuberculosis in the 19th century or 20th century, they would often say they have consumption or they are a consumptive, right? Consumptive. A consumptive wretch. On, the consumptives are cavelling. <laughs> um so, <laughs> so and you know we think about like you know in oregon trail you can dive dysentery um or like you know in a soap opera you can be in a coma like it's sort of like if you're a soap writer yeah. in 1905 you're just be like oh and then he gets consumption and we're gonna write his ass out of the show
0: yeah every every opera someone died from tuberculosis
1: <laughs> you can't tell me it wasn't part of the grand guignol
0: Oh, for sure someone had
1: tuberculosis.
0: At least one person.
1: Yes. And it's like a very, you know, it's a sad, it's a sad plot twist, like two lovers who die, not because they poison each other, but because of tuberculosis. Yeah. Um,
0: a, a, a really good reference that I have for it also is I'm sure you've read uh loop, but for people who maybe haven't, um Frank McCourt's amazing book, Angela's Ashes. Angela's Ashes. Mm-hmm. I always think of there's a line in it and and The movie is also heartbreaking um, where he says, "Uh, we lived by the river in Ireland, which it's damp made everyone sick. So this relationship between Mm -hmm. these living in these squalid, wet, gross, poorly ventilated conditions, everyone in that kind of environment has tuberculosis. And that's what, like the 1920s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is a long running thing. It's terrible.
1: And you're right. It affects awful. It takes out a lot of people who live in depressed conditions, working areas yeah. near coal factories. And so it is a very like segregated sort of things geographically in a city or urban space that the poor are those who really suffer from this disease. So they're a lot. Um, yeah. And it's did called you also know. Wait wait. wait yeah, yeah, did yeah. you also
0: know that it is a zoonotic illness that we can pass it back and forth to an- other animals. So when I worked in a zoo when I was in high school, I had to get tested for TB to make right. sure I couldn't pass it on to animals while right. working there. Is that crazy?
1: That is interesting. Yeah. Whereas we can't, we so COVID, like we we understand COVID is different. It's like zoological, right? Because it came from a bat, but we can't pass it to dogs. Like it's not the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. No. No. No.
0: It's. I think I do think COVID's different. I think yeah. they Can they can pass it to each other? Yeah.
1: We got it because somebody <laughs> ate it, right? So <laughs> That's so what it was. We're not ready. The history is not written, y'all. It's sloppy. Okay. So <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's forget all let's the, like the one epidemic at a time, goddammit. Okay. Yeah. So I'll uh, just note to myself. 40
0: years from now, maybe we'll do a COVID. Episode. I'm yelling
1: at myself. Okay. So, but no. Sorry, you were going
0: to describe why it's called consumption.
1: Yes. So it's called consumption because it often causes weight loss. So people mm. are sort of consumed by the disease. So, of course, all, all diseases have these visible hallmarks that yeah. would se- separate or differentiate someone from the rest of the herd, so to speak, that bespeaks their disease and their suffering. Right. It's a slow killer. As we said, it's there for a long time. It is also called the white plague or the white death.
0: Ooh, I've never heard of that one before. That's yeah. Bad. So
1: <laughs> it's because of the pale pallor yeah. of the skin. Yeah, you can sort of figure it out. People were. Had a really re- re- interesting relationship with tuberculosis because people saw it as somewhat merciful because it, it it did give you time to like reckon with it and like get your affairs in order. <laughs>
0: Sometimes a lot of time, which at yeah. the same time gives you more time to spread it.
1: <laughs> more time to spread exactly. More time to live with it to spread it. <laughs> live, <laughs> laugh, love. Um, tuberculosis, <laughs> Lucretia. <No>. Uh, anyway, <laughs> doesn't work. Um, and so one of the other sort of articles I was looking at really painted a, a wonderful picture of the like spit culture of that Ooh. world that we know really well, right? Which I would assume is like, right, you have spittoons in like the halls of Congress, which I'm like, of course, that's there because of tobacco and a million other things, but also people were always spitting. Like, it's so horrible.
2: I thought it started in
1: 1995 with toxic boys at my school, but no, um, <laughs> goes back a lot further spatoons, tobacco, but also people just there was just so much toxicity in the air and like in the polluted environment. Yeah, people were the spitting, they're spitting publicly and they didn't really know how gross that was because they didn't really understand the germs that were coming out of their mouth.
0: It always comes back to that goddamn germ theory. It does. Haunting it's, this podcast.
1: It is. <laughs> and we're hitting that ring and that bell again. Again. Um, so there were many different ways of treating or dealing or seemingly preventing tuberculosis so we talked about good air going to baden baden Mm. for the good air getting in a a high climate a mountain somewhere somewhere where it's green clearly not polluted because that may be related we don't know but get to good air take a cold bath there's also immobility treatments which i don't like which is just staying still no no and like leaving (laughs) your body in like a tank no never um yeah so there's also of course the good stuff which i do like opium quinine cod liver oil Yes, give me injectables, give me edibles, give me something sure. I can I can grab onto. None of these things are working. Um, no, <laughs> you know uh, what I love is if you remember the tenement museum in Lower East Side, the apartments in the tenements all have these windows in the middle of the apartment. So there'll yeah. be a, you know a, a kitchen deep in the apartment, and the and the window in the front facing the street. Then there's another window, sort of allowing light to come through. Those were often called tubercular windows. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) They were designed. And, you know, if you live and you might, if you live in a New York apartment today, you may still have a tubercular window for any number Oh, I
0: definitely did.
1: Oh, I did. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It it was a fake room that didn't face the street. And so I had a tubercular window that went from the front. It was miserable. It was a cave. I hated it.
0: Yeah, same. (laughs) Mine faced three other buildings.
1: (laughs) That's better. Yeah. Mine faces the dining room.
0: I'm like, get out of here.
1: You can see my shit. Thank God it was a high window. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. So there's all these various quacky cures that aren't working. They're not cures. Enter German doctor Robert Koch or Robert Koch. Uh, he comes in the 19th century. He yes. discovers he discovers the bacterium.
0: Yeah. We talked about him in the cholera episode. Yes. That he finished what uh, our buddy
1: John Snow started. Mm-hmm. So there's many, there's discoveries of bacteria that go back further centuries than Robert but he is really isolating the bacterium and the pathogens that cause it. Yeah. So he isolates the, the causal agents. He puts them into animals. And then he engineers the vaccine. So animals play, a, play, of course, a role in the trials element of this conversation. Of course, yeah. So he's really seen as one of the fathers of germ theory, like, we were, like you were saying moments before. Mm-hmm. So this all comes back to it. So we're really just... Turning the page in our understanding of how germs work and how diseases are transmitted. Um, so, this is 1882 when he discovers the Mysobacterium tuberculosis. Yay! <laughs> yes. And <laughs> apparently, had you heard this, that when he was doing his trials in his institutional theater in Berlin, there was a story where uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle tried to crash the party and mm. was denied access.
0: <laughs> oh my God, stop <laughs> it! <laughs> You can't be all these things, <laughs> you maniac. Yeah.
1: He is kind of the worst. Few <laughs> historical figures have fallen as far <laughs> as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So apparently, the theater was maxed out again. Paid tickets, whatever. And he's trying to like, you know, high hand his way into the freaking theater. Like I'm Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Don't know who I am. Yeah, like I scalped this ticket. Fuck you. (laughs) They're like, no, because as you know, all these doctors and competing like theorists, it was so like competitive nationally. Yeah. Like the Germans and the English are like like an arms race. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very that. So I thought that was so interesting. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. So that was that is so unsurprising. It really is. And so then there was another thing where like he got in the next week and then like wrote an article about it and like tries to blow up the spot clearly this is the work of spirits toxic so toxic (laughs) fuck him so anyway (laughs) so So, we're talking about an epidemic, people. Like, let's, you know, talk about the numbers. Like, it's killing thousands of people every year in the Mm. urban centers, places like especially New York City, which is a new urban center, which is so muscular and so polluted and so unplanned. There's a a massive die off happening, you know, every year among the poor, among the immigrant community, among those of lesser opportunity. So, in 1887, five years after the bacterium is discovered, the Public Health Health Service is creating this hygienic laboratory on Staten Island to apply the methods of of bacteriology to the diagnosis and the study of epidemic diseases. So a plot of land is is put out on Staten Island to create this new state of the art facility and we talked about this a little bit during the Crapsy episode
2: mm-hmm. because
1: Sea View Hospital is an abandoned landscape now that is partially in operation but it is landmarked because of the role it played in the discovery of the cure of tuberculosis.
0: Amazing. <sighs> yeah. I remember, I, I remember you talking about it quite a bit in the Cropsy yeah. episode. It's
1: like Seaview is the one of the institutions in that episode. that got the least love and it was hard, yeah. so hard because it was probably the most significant. I mean, arguably, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the fullness of time. Yeah. Um, and in
0: the mat, in the map that you talked yes, about sort yes. of where is, where does it lie?
1: So it would be on the, Southeastern part of that green belt bit. So, green belt. okay, yeah. So, it's like if you drive down Brielle Avenue, you've got the farm colony on the west side and the Brielle uh, Seaview, uh, Seaview Hospital on the east. It's all operated by View now. The farm colony merged with it anyway. So, right. I, I have the little bullet later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> haven't Sorry. gotten there yet to the landscape. No, I, I fell in. Um, it's hard so. <laughs> So in 1889 or so, 1890, now these municipal hospitals are being created, which is the movement that leads to the sanatorium culture that we have, that then leads to the mental hospital culture because these landscapes are created at first to fight infectious diseases, take the poor, isolate them, take the sick, isolate them, put mm-hmm. them in these beautiful places um, that will hopefully you know, cure them. And some good things happen in these places. Some horrible yeah. things happen in these places, of as course. we have discussed uh, at, at great measure. So. What's happening in the 1890s is the disease is getting worse. 1898, the five boroughs of New York consolidate. So now New York City has a brand new island that it can take over and use massive, massive swaths of undeveloped land. So that's why the Staten Island uh, lots were the most advantageous. So you have this massive institutional landscape taking over Staten Island and several mm-hmm. different institutions. Mostly for garbage, but whatever. Mostly for- <laughs> <laughs> I, would, well, I, I wouldn't call the Staten Island landfill institution, but <laughs> – I mean, but you're <laughs> – <laughs> so the big thing was we figured out there is bacterium. We figured out it is contagious. So yep. the thing we're going to really do in the 1880s and 90s is pe- put people in a pretty hospital, get them high on a hill, get good air, isolate them, and give them this you know beautiful sort of environment that will hopefully you know stop the spread and allow for treatments to be developed. Right. So, so how
0: much of that was also to like – get people away. <laughs> of course, there's an yeah.
1: underlying classist, racial yeah. develop in all of this. Yeah. And which I'm sure you'll get into. The same thing is true of the blue benches, you know. It's the right. same thing. It's yeah. your sensibilities are more more important than this person's suffering. Yeah. You know, and like I can understand on the one hand like seeing a disfigured soldier can be a triggering thing or a scary thing but you know that's a really interesting strategy.
0: Well also like I'm not going to catch a disfigured face.
1: Right. I it poses might catch tuberculosis. poses no danger to you and what 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 hurts their recovery you know from talking to people from saying yeah. hi to someone right like yeah. being looked at like a human being that's a really good point. Yeah. Um So the core strategy was rest, sunlight, fresh air, this concept that leads the the creation of CV hospital. It's opened up in 1913. It consists of these gorgeous, huge pavilions, this massive complex. It's a really handsome campus, surgical Mm -hmm. pavilion, laundry, a kitchen. It's a village. Of course, it's all sprawled out. It was, there was also a children's hospital there that was constructed in the 1930s. So Mm -hmm. there was a really big site. So. What's interesting is, like you were saying, there is a racial element under all of this in terms of isolating people. But even within the medical community, there is crazy amounts of racism going on. Black women were excluded from training and consideration of key positions in the nursing field. Um, Mm -hmm. So people were often not allowed to go to school to become a nurse if they were of color. And if they were so lucky to be trained, they often would not even be considered. So far from all,
0: the- I'm so fresh off the nick and ready for this. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you're
1: talking about that. Like this is algae, right? So yeah. we don't need any black nurses in that show, but we do have the black Dr. Algernon.
0: We do go to the to um <gasps> the black hospital right. a couple of times. Oh my- um, and you do get to encounter some of the, the working individuals there. But yeah, the you see how clearly underfunded they are. They do not have even half of the amazing equipment. Yeah. So yeah, you're just the The lack of <laughs> care that the city has for the other is so yeah. apparent, you know?
1: What I really like about the Nick um, and other shows of that ilk, like the Gilded Age, is mm-hmm. that you get a sense of the really big role that these charitable orgs and like relief society, yeah. play. you're like, these. this hospital's not going to have bedding if these ladies don't show up and, you know, bake their goods or whatever, you know, it's Seriously, like, pretty, yeah, pretty remarkable.
0: And hospitals, as we have talked about in previous episodes, you know, it is largely charity cases. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to a hospital when it's a real emergency, like you have tuberculosis and you're dying.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's becoming an endless sub theme of our podcast. I know. Just discussing the shifts in medical culture. But I think in the aggregate, when we're looking at all these things, it really is quite something. Um, yeah, truly. You know, in terms of our relationship with medical care, you know, our openness to it, you know, the affordability of it, the commercialization of it, you know, mm-hmm. the competitiveness of it. So anyway, and the racism of it. So um, yeah. So, what was interesting, too, is that, you know, you have these societies that have come up in places like, you know, in Detroit and in, you know, Los Angeles and other urban centers where you have these leagues that are created to raise funds to find and create black you know medical colleges, right? And yeah. to have nursing training programs that are you know funded by people of color for people of color, um, right. so that allows women to enter the field at least and be given a fighting chance. Um, and so, for this reason, if you're a white nurse, you have more options than of a black course. nurse. You can do whatever you want, and you cannot as do a nurse, and <laughs> you cannot do whatever you don't want to do. So white nurses True became that. very phobic of the tubercular patients. Sure. And they were just like, we don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So by like 1929, 1930, there was an epic shortage in tubercular nursing positions across the country, including Seaview Hospital, which is one of the largest hospitals of its kind in the whole of the United States, if not the entire planet. Yee, that's not good. Capitalism giveth, capitalism taketh away. So um, she does often. <laughs> she do that. So at the end of the day, the doctors are like, we need nurses. So White nurses famously walk off the job in 1929, um, citing the work with tuberculosis patients is too dangerous. They're still contagious. They're, you, there's still a risk of getting the disease. And often they were, you know, often they suffered uh, disfiguring. It was a nasty disease as it took away your life. And so dealing with that emotionally was also seen as undesirable, Yeah, of course. which I think is just. Incredible, just the fact that they can have that preference and be like, well, I just don't want to deal with this with these people. I don't like yeah, it.
0: and not just get shit canned.
1: Exactly. And not be given like, you don't have a choice, Martha. Um, nurses
0: are valuable enough at that time, I guess, that they, they could are. say no. Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so from the 1930s until the 1960s, a cadre of nurses of color, the majority of nurses at Seaview were black. Mm-hmm. And so there were more than 300 of them in this tenure, in this time period, 1930s. So from 1928 to 1960 or so, they came from places like the American South, kind of a reverse migration. They came from the Midwest. They came from all over the place. By 1933, you've got 250 out of 300 nurses serving who are who are at View who are black. Wow. Um, yeah. So they were the by large the majority. They were. They were mostly, though, still denied positions of leadership or management. So they were still managed by white nurses. So uh, that dynamic <laughs> playing out a lot, like the black troops in the Civil War and right. things like of that. Right, of course, yeah. It's very similar.
0: What is, population are the patients comprised of? What's that population?
1: They are a lot of kids who kind of mm. grew up in the hospital, unfortunately. That's awful. Um, they have this, you know, again, slow disease. They have this disease for a long time. Um, yeah. they're, they're sort of a grab bag of people in all walks of life, but who all suffer from the disease. So it is definitely yeah. so a lot of more impoverished people because it is a municipal facility. Yeah, um, of course. yeah, Which is a big deal in the time is because, again, hospitals were private. Hospitals were Catholic. They were charitable. They were this. They were that. They were this you know, society of hibernians. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> likely a lot of immigrant population, yeah. black People again from poorer classes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: The yeah. poor. The poor. So, yeah, I was really it was impressive to think of the Black Angels as like a, a, a lighting to Staten Island from across the country and across the globe yeah. on some measure. You know, some were trained in universities in Hong Kong and London, and they had these really right. worldly experiences. It's so um, funny. Like, <laughs> And they come to Staten Island to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why? Well, that's the thing, too. And that not to keep harping on the Nick, but like the whole thing is Algy's like this phenomenal surgeon who's far more talented than most of the people on the show. And yep. he could have had a very pleasant, amazing career in Europe where he could he was recognized and appreciated, could have had a leadership role in a hospital, but wanted to be in New York, I guess, because if you can make it here,
1: <laughs> right? Is that what it is? Yes, you can make it anywhere. Um, so uh, I wanna play a little audio for you. So mm. there. Oh, we haven't any... had
0: audio in ages. <laughs> I
1: know, I know, this is really, really getting the production value back up to where it should be. Um, so there is an exhibit right now at the Staten Island <gasps> Museum called Apart Together, and it is about the Black Angels. Oh, my God. Yay. There is one surviving black angel who's still with us. She's in her 90s. Her name is Virginia Allen, and she is the grandam of the uh, of the of these ladies. And so she is interviewed extensively for a lot of these exhibits has been several of these exhibits.
2: Wow. And so I want
1: to play a little bit of a remembrance of Virginia Allen talking about the community of of nursing at Seaview.
2: Oh, I'm ready. These were nurses who came from all over uh, the South, North, uh, everywhere. They came to work at View Hospital because you couldn't get help at that time. There was a dire um, shortage of nurses. And the nurses were recruited from as far away as the Caribbean and the Philippines. And most of the black nurses were hired. I would say uh, the majority of the, of the nurses there were black because they couldn't get jobs in other areas, even though they were very well trained with degrees. White nurses did not apply for these jobs because of the um, danger of catching tuberculosis. Was a very high risk job, so uh, they they almost had to hire black nurses in order to have enough staff to take care of the patients. And it's unfortunate only a few Caucasians worked at Seaview. View. Mm.
1: So there's the the story as told by Virginia. Mm. So these are all available online, and we'll share your social links on how to get these. Um, these links. So, as you can imagine, um, they weren't called the Black Angels right away. They were there for about 30 years, gener- waves and generations of them. It was a community within this community. Yeah, They were a disenfranchised group that were doing really hard, if not traumatic work. So, we know. Dangerous. We know, right. We know emotional dangerous work. Yeah. So, we know how that binds people together. Um, We know people who work in care facilities are naturally, it's very familial. You deal with high stress. It's highs and lows. You release the stress to each other. It creates this bond. Um, So, of course, this group is really close. Um, And it's a really special little story that's just playing out in the middle of Staten Island. Um, So, Virginia enters uh, the field, I believe, in 1947 at Seaview. She is inspired by her aunt, who uh, her name was Edna Sutton Ballard. And I love that name. It's a beautiful name. And yeah. Edna, Edna Sutton Ballard was a nurse on Staten Island who would take trips out to Detroit to visit her extended family. And her niece, Virginia, was so inspired by her aunt that she would move to Staten Island and live with her and then eventually get her own place. So she's a, like a legacy of um,
0: that's amazing of
1: black nursing on Staten Island. So
0: like a second gen yes nurse. That's yes. amazing.
1: Right. Like Edna was before the black angels took off in terms of like the years, but she was there first. Mm-hmm. Like origin- um, so Virginia's there from 1947 to 1957 for 10 years. Those are critical years in terms of this story. Um, in the 1950s, you have doctors Edward Robotsek and Irving J. Selikoff, who are conducting clinical trials with a new drug, a new compound that was developed by Bristol-Myers Squibb called – oh, God, I tried this five times – isoniazid. Isoniazid? On a, new, on a new compound called isoniazid. Say that ten times fast. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, so they're hoping to prevent – the growth of the tuberculosis bacteria. And so they begin clinical trials with some of the most horribly afflicted patients who have organ damage, Mm. who have really extensive lung damage, who need corrective surgery to repair their body, which is just being destroyed by this. One of the things that Koch did was he was able to, you know, kill the spread of tuberculosis, wherein your body would start to reject the dead tissue and you would sort of expel, like in your sputum, you would spit out the, 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 the bacteria. Um, so it's a similar sort of fight against the tissue. Yeah. Um, so we're, they're they're focusing on those who need really scary, so- sobering, um, dire surgeries to repair this damage, um, and they're hoping to stop, if not reverse, the the disease. Um, and so it begins to happen. The compound works, and the Black Angels are the ones who are administering the tests or they're monitoring the patients they're reporting their findings mm. so you know they're the ones they're the boots on the ground yeah they're the ones who are seeing this and they're the ones who their contribution is that they bear witness yeah they're
0: monitoring this. everything
1: yeah yeah like you know the white doctor would like inject and the nurse would be there to assist um but they would be with the patient for the next three weeks or the rest Yeah, of they're the dealing next with month.
0: their with their chart basically exactly right? yeah yeah it's amazing so
1: it is it is it is incredible. Um, and so this, this Robert second Selikoff, you know, don't really get, I think attention that they are due. And because like we've been saying, a lot of these kinds of moments in history have many, many parents, many fathers and mothers yeah. and someone like, you know, uh, Robert Koch, the inventor of germ germ theory gets more of the credit or like Bristol Meyer Squibb, the scientist who developed the compound, sure. yeah. you know um, but these two doctors sort of put it together. So this really puts Seaview on the map in terms of, you know, Seaview and Staten Island kind of maybe overplays the hype of, like, tuberculosis cure maybe a little bit. Like, it was happening glo- mm-hmm. it happened in a global sense, and it hit Staten Island the way it did. Sure. But it's not as if Doctors Robotech and Selikoff, like, were, like, with a Petri dish and, like, you know, compound agents, like, injecting right. like, somebody <laughs> probably in Connecticut, like, at Bristol-Myers was doing that. So it's, Just let them have this! <laughs> I know it's. I it's again. It's one of those things where it's like I read this local claim, like oh yeah, it's famous for this, and I'm like, "Mm, but there was, and that's the problem though. That's the problem though. It's like you know you're writing this landmark commission for this landscape. You're gonna of course present the history in the best light to get Mm -hmm. it preserved. You know get it to get it. You know in the historic district in the register of historic places, and yeah, sometimes places are over over exaggerated, but there's still a reason to save them, and I, of course, am always going to say, save the landscape. Never <laughs> yeah. going to say, get rid of it. Never going to say, well, don't don't protect it because it's not significant. I want it to be there. Everything's significant, if you just That's believe. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And just because, you know, the, you know, just because the Declaration of Independence wasn't signed here, doesn't mean that we're not a beneficiary of its principles and freedoms, and that we can't celebrate the history in some way, right? Some... So, fuck you. <laughs> Enough. Uh, <laughs> So Sea View is eventually landmarked in the 1980s. Um in 1983. Now I've heard this and I wish I'd, I I got to do some more homework. I've heard long heard about a healthcare museum at Sea View. Oh, yes. So as some of us may know on, at home, I work at a, at a museum on Staten Island, so I'm very connected to the museum world there. And, you know, you think you go to every museum in your little area, but there's a museum there. It's called the uh, Staversa A. Bethel Healthcare Museum, and it's named after a longtime nursing superintendent who was black. <gasps> That's
0: so cool.
1: Yes. So I'm like, how do we get to the Bethel Healthcare Museum? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like never open. You can't really go. You can't just walk into a hospital no, if you don't, if you don't like, have a reason to be there. So there's no visitor information. You go to an NYC health page and just dead ends. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. Okay. Hate so it. we fake injuries. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is that if you take, um, oh my God, what is it was the S54, a Staten Island bus takes you into Seaview. Because that's how the nurses got there. And that's how families got there to see their loved ones. You lost me at take a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bougie, bitch. No um, I did my yes. time. <laughs> no, buses are a, um, yeah, they're, uh, there's a time in your life for a bus, right? So anyway. Yeah, I'm um, past that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the museum opens in 1983. I have never been there. I'm going to try to investigate and hopefully report back. Please um, come back yeah. with notes. Mm. I need to come back. Um, and there's also a beautiful mural at Seaview that was unveiled earlier this year or maybe in the last year or two. Um, and Virginia Allen was there to help dedicate it. And so uh. these various panels depict Seaview's history. Um, some of the Seaview landscape is still cropsy-ish. It's still like quasi-abandoned, Aww. but it's landmarked. So it is protected. And um, is she
0: is... she herself still lives on Staten Island? She does.
1: She remained. That's amazing. So in her oral history, she's like, well, because. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that's a learned because.
0: She inherited that, she from, inherited her that from, her, yeah, from her auntie
1: <laughs> and from her, her best friends at Seaview. No, she's a huge um, force on Staten Island today. She's been involved with the NAACP, she's volunteered various organizations. That's beautiful. Um, that's and she's great. like 96. I mean, 96. she's 96. She's an angel. She
0: sounds young. You know what I mean. Like she has, she has like a vibrant voice.
1: Yes, very calming presence. Um, Great. And so great for a nurse. (laughs) In the years following the '60s, the sort of legend and iconic status of the Black Angels really came from the patients who they served, and those patients were cured of tuberculosis in many cases, and they had went on to have fulfilling lives, and they never forgot. The compassion, the care, the attention, the familial bonds between the community that, you know, fed into the caring environment. So the Black Angel sort of story really grew from that, which is just yeah. it's just a beautiful story all around when you think about it. And one that should be celebrated and, you know, understood better. So uh, it relates to the story of how we interpret these kinds of landscapes, which I think is endlessly fascinating. Like you and I yeah. talked about Land, how you've got a place like the farm colony. Or um, the uh, the College of Staten Island, formerly Willowbrook State School, yeah, and how at the at the latter there is a commemorative walk called the Willowbrook Mile, which yeah, I remember. The college built, so they have plaques and they have you know interactive sort of things to help you understand. The site that looks like a college brochure now was once a very different place. And here's what happened here. And sea View is landmarked and it has a small, maybe inaccessible, somewhat museum, but it's doing its part. But, you know, what are we doing as a society to really like integrate this historical understanding into our mindset? Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, it's about a visitor experience. We know about Alcatraz because it's a place you can go.
0: Yeah, exactly. We know about the
1: Alamo because it's a place you can go.
0: Even though there's nothing there.
1: (laughs) It's dumb. (laughs) That's a perfect example Mm -hmm. of something that doesn't matter in terms of preservation. It could not matter less. (laughs) I've already forgotten the (laughs) element. The what? Deal with it. Thank (laughs) you. But it's just endlessly fascinating to me. Um, And, you know, when we worked at a place like September 11th Museum, we were talking about a very iconic site that was then made intangible. And yes. so people walked that that property when it was the World Trade Center, and then it was obliterated and destroyed, which mm-hmm. is a threat to the memory of those who worked there for 30 years, but also those who died. And then, whereas we have this landscape of Seaview, but there's a mental block. Like, we don't remember tuberculosis. We don't commemorate tuberculosis, because that's not what we do as humans. No, no. Tuberculosis you
0: know, is so, um, you know, in this day and age, I, I don't know if you looked it up, but the caseload in the United States per year has to be incredibly low and Incredibly it has to low. be because they traveled outside the United States to and got it that way. Yeah. Cuz it really is just not much of a thing here.
1: No. No. It was like and it killed as many as 10,000 people a year in New York like you know every, like every year and then Yeah, the,
0: what a shift.
1: It's a lot. I mean, really. It's a lot something that happened when robert robert did his thing in berlin when he first discovered tuberculin which was the vaccine it was the it was a vaccine that limited the spread didn't kill the disease so um, right
0: cuz we don't get vaccinated for tuberculosis you get tested for tuberculosis yeah. if there's the possibility that you've you know, encountered. That's right.
1: The and He found in small doses of tuberculin, it could act as a test,
0: mm. which is, of
1: course, a big thing we think of it in sort of vaccinations in general. It's a little bit of the disease, um, right? And so, when he was doing these tests, apparently Berlin was overrun by consumptives, because everybody's like the cure, the cure, and like there's this European push towards Berlin, and it no! becomes a public health <laughs> crisis. Right? Imagine no! you're the mayor. You're the mayor of Berlin. You're like son of a bitch. Shut. <laughs> <up>! <laughs> Scheiza. He may be the faja of Germ th- of germ Theory, but no, not here. Um, nine. <laughs> nine, please. Um nine. So so the cops had to get involved. Oh nine. No, oh nine. <laughs> um, so the police had to get involved, you know, they had to get their masks on, you know. So it was like oh they had God. to keep the consumptives like at bay. All the it's like a consumptive convention, people are like, oh, we're gonna get cured. <laughs> And so that just, that also tells you like, of like, you know, the migratory nature the of spread. people with disease and yeah. And just how it got all over the place and just filthy.
0: Well, because unlike cholera and some of our other buddies, this is, this is airborne. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so easy to get it. Yeah. You know, like you said that, beg- we are coughing out this bacteria into the air so easily and then there's people literally coughing up their lung tissue and blood and just then putting that like on the ground Mm -hmm. so it's just it's disgusting did you speaking of museums new york transit museum on their subways they have signs about spitting from the 1920s that there there's like fines for spitting on the train so same thing it's probably about tuberculosis too. It
1: absolutely is related to tuberculosis. It's mm-hmm. not propriety, not manners. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that everybody's spitting on everything.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also post Spanish flu. So that was part of it as well. Mm. In general, just don't spit, guys. It's really guys, fucking
1: gross. It's not cool. Um, it's not cool, despite what <laughs> Johnny cool. says. Um, but Jason does it. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I have not been to the Staten Island Museum exhibit yet, but I'm going to go. And do some homework. Please. Right in my backyard. Um, and there have been actually exhibits on the Black Angels at the New York Public Library um and other places over the years, which I had not heard of. Um, but there the Staten Island Museum actually did a nice little breakdown of the commemorative history, like in a timeline. Love and it that. talks about there's a forthcoming Oprah Book Club book. <gasps> so that's over in terms of it being forgotten. Like as soon as <laughs> as soon as that book comes out,
0: done. Um <laughs> Okay, that's why we have to get this episode out,
1: like, right now before Oprah. S-E-O. S-E-O. <laughs> Black Angel Black. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's your first time. Um, So <laughs> we're going to check out the exhibit and report back to you on it. But Staten Island Museum is an incredible museum in general. It's the premier collecting museum on Staten Island. And they deal with everything from prehistory archaeology all the way to the present. Really beautiful site at Sailor Snug Harbor on the North Shore, which is a beautiful campus. Um, so highly recommend you check it out. The mural at Seaview Hospital is called The Spirit of Seaview by Yana Dimitrova, and you can see panels of it online. We'll share links on how to do that. Um, Of course, besides taking the bus through Seaview and being a patient at Seaview, there's really few other ways to encounter Seaview in a way that is safe and authorized, and I would not recommend doing anything that's um, not normal in that case. So... (laughs) great disclaimer <laughs> disclaimer. Um, <laughs> disclaimer over um so it's a great story um there's some links we'll send out in the in the in the show notes um the oprah book is forthcoming thank you oprah hashtag oprah love um, you oprah there you go love you girl <laughs> love you boo so tis the story of the black angels
0: thank you so much that's such a lovely story um i, I mean it's it's a terrible story, but also,
1: like... It's uplifting. It's very inspiring. Those women
0: are incredible. I mean, truly. It's the same thing of, like, they didn't have to work there. <laughs> they could have gone to different places yeah. and found easier gigs, less dangerous gigs. Did you happen to find any stats on how many of them got ill or even got consumed by consumption there was nothing
1: nothing on nothing the that explicit extensive staten island museum website um and nothing in what i saw um yeah but yeah i mean there were some you know people like Staversa bethel she unfortunately died not long after the museum was dedicated to her and she didn't oh. seem, she didn't seem that old and so it could have been just an any number of maladies but um, sure yeah yeah there wasn't this like there wasn't, you know, fortunately, thank goodness, this other counter narrative of like the suffering they endured. Mm. It seemed as if they did whatever they could to be safe. And I've seen and you see pictures of the black angels and they're not wearing masks. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. for you. What? Um, I know. I know. It's freaked me out. I was just like, did they, did they take the mask off of the photo and put it right back on? Like, I don't understand. So, yeah, Please I God definitely had that the, have been that in the case. I, yeah. I'm like, why are they not covered in plastic? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, wow! Everybody's got their hands out and their faces out and their mouths out.
0: <sighs> Put your mouths away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes this even scarier. And it does,
1: because like Virginia was saying, it was high risk, you know. And yeah, there are people I mean, who are drawn to that, but
0: I think it. I think it's not even uh not
1: the adrenaline rush of
0: not the, the adrenaline. Game. I think it's just like the if I don't do it, no one will. That's it. You know, it's yeah. the same thing with. We, we just went through this nightmare of COVID with our healthcare professionals who couldn't be with their families yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks and, you know, had to quarantine themselves and did get sick. And the sacrifice that is made in the service of others, just like talking about these women last week, talking about Marie Curie and all the women who did
1: radiology. Yeah. I mean, it's. Who that's... better understands second class status? Who better <laughs> understands being ostracized and less than than women, than women of color? I mean, so, no one. You know, <laughs> it's true. and that just bespeaks their compassion and their their amazing spirit of generosity Truly. to look yeah. to look beyond their own condition and, you know, station in life, which was terribly Terribly behind 100 so years limited. ago yeah. when they were first starting out in the 30s. yeah, um, Really scary time in America. Think about what's going on in America civil rights-wise from the 1930s to the 1960s. And yeah. When was working quietly in this Podunk Hospital. Crazy. Inspiring. Very yeah. But yeah, they, you know, Virginia talks about in some of her other audio clips, how the women were so socially engaged and they, you yeah. know, she remembers going to balls in Harlem and she remembers like, you know, she lived in New York in the fifties, man. Like she was there at a great time. It's a great like time to be hipsters there. Yeah. and culture and, you know, Jack Kerouac and just, you know, just a whole other slice of life and, you know, late yeah. stage jazz. And, you know, so... She lived that, too. She yeah. got out of town. You know, she she did it. She did it up.
0: And and in general, like, you know, you already kind of made a reference to this, but all the women that I know who are nurses, like, they those people are tight. They are yes. a tight-knit little family. And, yeah, you take care of each other because no one else is doing it. <laughs> no That's one it. else and is the, taking care of you. you and those women in you particular know, must have felt, you, you, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even (laughs) literal shit that you see. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. They saw some pretty, pretty hard surgeries. They saw some pretty rough, um, Oh yeah. Some rough rough stuff in their, in their time, in their time of tenure. So the best thing you can do folks at home is take a little moment, even as you did, just did to learn more about the black angels and to say thank you to a nurse in your life.
0: Yes, please do. And, keep this month in the back of your mind you know that this is a this is an amazing thing that we have the ability to celebrate incredible women like the black angels and we cannot let these stories similar with the ladies of world war one get lost in history so i'm i'm so glad that you brought this story out today luke such a good one and I can't wait to look into it more and learn more. I really only knew like the one line explanation of them and now I'm, I really want to know more. So thanks.
1: You're so welcome. Yeah. Glad to give them some space on the interwebs. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morbid Museum podcast. Please remember to rate and subscribe and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at The Morbid Museum, on Instagram, and on TikTok. You can become a Patreon supporter today. Become a morbid Buddy. We'd love to have you as part of our community. You can reach out to us directly at Museum at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll see you for another Gallery Talk inside the Morbid Museum podcast. Bye now.
0: Bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs>